0: Waffle. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Drone. Chat, drone waffle. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Drone.
1: Okay, so, welcome, my listener, to today's edition. The one listener. <laughs> <laughs> to today's edition of Waffle Chat and Drone. Um, Is that the oh, new Oh, you've got with the
0: new name straight we, away. That's am pretty I, am impressive. Am I... Yeah,
1: sh- okay. Shall I start again? I'll start again. No, no, no. Well, yeah, okay. No, let's, okay. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So, listener, thank you and welcome to tonight's edition of Waffle Chat and Drone, the only podcast on planet Earth that's aimed at people like you or a person <laughs> like you. Uh, <laughs> Oh that's not bad. I have
0: to say that's not bad okay so
1: yeah. t- this evening this evening, as we've basked in the uh early June sunshine, we've asked ourselves what what are the books that are special to us what What is it about literature? Is there something there that we would wish to share if there is there a book that you'll find on our tombstone that changed our lives um is there a book perhaps we'd like to write so literature books um Andrew I'm going to open the conversation up with you give us give us one of your favorite titles and tell us why so
2: Well, thank you, Paul <laughs> this is uh, sorry, this is sounding very very formal
0: it is isn't it this is light up
2: right yes, well, thank you, Paul. I'm going to talk about a book that probably strikes horror into the minds of many people because it's an A-level text possibly an O-level text and it's called David Copperfield oh by my God. Charles
0: Dickens Isn't and that a TV program? I only, that's only a TV program There's a bloke that it? does magic
2: <laughs> and I thought, well, you know there's a bloke <laughs> that does magic and I'll buy his book and it was obviously ghostwritten by this bloke called Charles and then when i opened it up it wasn't about magic at all but it was sort of magic in its own charming way but anyway no on a serious point i actually i read this for my english uh literature uh o level and i thought it was one of the best things i'd ever read and i was what 14 15 or something at the time 15 i think and i read it six times for my exam and absolutely loved it and i still read it from time to time it's a very long book but it's the reason I love it it's just the characters and the language mm. and the use of language yeah. and its language
0: it's,
2: yes. it's like it's like uh drinking a fine glass of wine yes. or having a nice yes. meal you can it's yes. very rich and yeah. you can almost enjoy just the way that the author uses simplicity of language and rich characterization and a great story mm-hmm. and it just all mm-hmm. comes together. And it's got mm. some some you know truly memorable characters you know which everybody will have heard of Mister Micawber obviously David Copperfield himself mm. um, Uriah Heep another one you know it's I think it's just a, it's just an amazing book and once you get into it you, it really rattles along quite mm. quickly and that's mm. probably because when it was written it was um, it was created as a serial so a chapter would come out every week or so and. Um, and uh, and be published that way rather than in in, in one particular go, but now, it's just it's just amazing.
1: Now I'm I'm wondering, Andrew, because David Copperfield, of course, has a rich, a very rich uh, cast, doesn't it? Is there a character there you relate to?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably relate to parts of all of the characters. I mean, a lot of them are quite extreme, but the the the, the, the characters are so rich. They're sort of and plausible in their own ways, and you know, Mister mm. McCorber and his perpetual optimism, and he gets sort of further and further to, into debt, and gets thrown into Newgate Prison. But and of course, you know, nothing did will, turn up, did it? Nothing did. But you know, it's, it's almost impossible not to be drawn along by his sort of infectious enthusiasm that he's going to be mm. uh, facing a brighter future. Uh, I wouldn't say any individual character, though. I, mean, I I I just like the scenes back in um, in Blunderston in uh, in in Suffolk, with his mm. nanny Peggotty, mm. at the carrier Barkis, and the, actually the death scene, when Barkis dies. So Barkis took David Copperfield to London, and used to drive him to London and back with his uh, yes. with his chest, and Barkis uh, eventually marries Peggotty. That was uh, David Copperfield's nanny. And um, anyway, Barkis gets ill, and they all assemble at uh, at the at their house. And David uh, gets there, and Mister Peggotty, the uh, the, uh, the 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 uncle, starts talking about drawing an an analogy between seafaring folk and the and and the tide. Um, and there's this beautiful description where death is compared to an outgoing tide and instead of describing Barkus dying which could be very very sad he describes it in a, in the, he describes the tide and there's this beautiful line at the end of the chapter where Barkus dies and it just says something like Barkus went out with the tide or with the low tide oh, that's um, the low tide and Barkus went out together mm-hmm. it was something like that And you think it was just it mm. was just such a perfect and very simple little line but it conveyed so much emotion mm. by using that, that analogy. And that's what I like about the book. The, it's the use of the English language that's almost something to enjoy in its own right. And do you admire mm.
1: Dickens, as you understand him, the, 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 the character, the man he was?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've read most of his books now. Mm. Uh, I, I like some of them more than others. Some of them are, I think are actually quite hard-going. Um, mm. But the famous ones, you know, Great Expectations, another and, and rollicking story, Oliver Twist, Barnaby Rudge, you know, mm. they're, they're brilliant. Uh, I like sketches by Boz and those short tales, uh, Mr. Jingle in, um, in Christmas books. You know, they're, they're, they're fantastic stories.
1: The characters are fabulous, aren't they? In fact, you've given me an idea. I think tomorrow, as I f- pursue my day, I'm going to imagine people I come across and ask myself which Dickens character would they be. And there's a chap who works at the station here, and it's Mr. Micawber. Mm. I'm sure <laughs> that, those characters are timeless, aren't they? We all know a Mr. Micawber. We mm. all know a Peggotty. We all know. Oh, who was the the old lady, the mad old lady in Great Expectations?
2: Oh, Miss Havisham.
1: That's right, Miss Havisham. Yeah, yeah, we all. We all know a Miss Havisham, don't we? All have known a Miss Havisham.
2: Yeah, uh, well, you probably know several, Paul. I'm, I do. I'm not sure I've come across that many, to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Philip,
1: Philip, where will you lead us? Where will you lead
0: us? Well, I've got to own up first. Actually, I've never read Dickens. Uh, I've not read any. We, we've got the complete collection upstairs, um, which is which is a great set of books. But I've never sat down and actually read. A Dickens story, um, and how do you um, feel
1: about? it? Is it a source of shame and embarrassment? Well, it, it,
0: you know, it is a bit. It's a bit like not reading Shakespeare, isn't it? It's mm. it's so important to the English language. I mean, I, I could we, tell we, you,
1: you know, if you were on the terraces at Southampton and announced to those around you that you'd not read any Dickens, I don't think <laughs> I don't think people <laughs> would look at you any worse, <laughs> Philip. I, I don't <laughs> <laughs>
0: What the Dickens? Yeah, they're, they're, you're absolutely right. They're, they're, we are we are blessed actually as, a, as 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 a nation to have so many fantastic authors. Yeah, it's, it's um it's um yeah. But I have to own up, I haven't actually read Dickens. I mean, the, researching this episode, we well, really trawling one's memories. It was really the research, trying to re- recall what books I'd actually read. I, I could, I, I, I was a bit surprised. I've read quite a few books. I'm not, I'm not an mm-hmm. avid reader. But I do, I have enjoyed some great books, but I do find it difficult to read fiction. I have to be on holiday to read fiction. I can't do it in the normal um, course of, of, of a working week or a month or so. It, I, got to be, it, I think somehow it's, it, fiction adds to the escapism of uh, holiday. Mm. Uh, but when you look back, we had some terrific ones. Um, one of the... One book that actually I really, really enjoyed was a, a book I almost put down because I just just couldn't get on with it to begin with. And it's Great Apes by Will Self. Oh I've seen oh, that. Well, yeah. It, well have you seen it, I don't know. Uh did they do it into a TV. No, no, I've sure. seen
1: the I've seen the cover the... <laughs> <laughs> See the...
2: <laughs> That's about as far as Paul gets. <laughs>
0: God, <laughs> I,
2: I saw it in Waterstones, so... <laughs> but I didn't go with the shop. I was just passing. <laughs> I was going to Sports Direct.
0: <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear! That tastes a biscuit. That does, yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a great story, and and in it, it you've got the you 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 start off in the human world, and then it goes into the ape world, and the 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 character. Um what is a it's a person, it's a human in the beginning, and then he gets into this I think it's a he gets into this ape world and he's, he's he can't understand what the hell's going on here. Um and then and then it flips back at the end. But uh, the the it the first part where you're in the human world, oh so stodgy, I didn't I just didn't like the writing style and I, you know, I just for some reason I kept on going. And then it gets into the ape world. And the writing style changes it's like will self found his found his mojo at that point and it's a terrific read from then on and uh wife and i read it and we you know we will still chat about that book it was a it's a great one and the and the funny behaviors and so on um and no terrific really really uh really good read but you had to work very hard for it and actually that that aspect about what makes a good book there's got to be a fit between you as a reader and the book, hasn't there? The writing style has got to be, it's got to make you happy in reading it. So uh, I was going to mention a book um, that, that got great reviews, The Goldfinch. The Goldfinch, a recent one, Donna Tart. Oh, yes. Uh, mm. And people were suggesting you must read this, you must read this. I started it, and I after about a dozen pages only, I just put it down and said, I just can't stand it. I just I think, don't like the writing style yeah
2: i think that's that's so important you've got you've got to like the writing style i I, I remember a book a few years ago i tried to read by read by uh umberto echo called Foucault's oh, Pe- oh Pe- yes yeah yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, and I'd, I'd read the name of the rose and i thought that was actually yes. pretty good so yeah. I, I got this book i found it a charity shop for a pound um so it's quite good value for a pound It's hundreds and hundreds of pages But it was so incredibly dense and and theoretical, and I waded through it and waded through it, and I thought, I'm determined to get to the end, it's got to get better. And it it sort of did towards the end, but really only the last 50 pages or so got particularly interesting. But it was really hard going. But I read it more Mm -hmm. out of sort of dogma than a sense of enjoyment. I was determined to finish it. But I have to say it was a hard mm-hmm. slog, and it might be the sort of thing that in twenty years' time we'll get back to, and actually it will resonate. But I found mm. it, I found it heavy, mm. and that was a lot of that was down to the writing style.
0: What does this, is this why you find an author and you read quite a few books by that author because you you found a match, you found somewhere that's satisfied, and and if it, it becomes like. Uh, Bangers and mash—you just oh, comfort food in a way, comfort writing. You just you just fit into it. I I read quite a lot of the Patrick O'Brien.
2: Oh yeah, naval.
0: Yeah. I think there are about twenty of them, and I think I read about ten or eleven before I thought, okay, that's enough. I don't need any more I can only read so many pages where I do not understand which bit of a boat I'm talking about or being told about uh but they were they were very good and actually I can see in later years picking up and reading more because the characters are old friends and the writing style Once he found his, the first book, he didn't quite get the pace right, By the second or third book in particular really got the pace right, not too rushed, because otherwise there's a lot of journey in these these stories. You're going from somewhere to somewhere to somewhere, you know, setting sail to get to somewhere to somewhere, and actually realise that a journey, the best way to describe a journey is in various scenes rather than trying to say, right, and then we move to here and then we move to there and then we got onto that. He does some, he does, the, the battles are great because he rebuilds really them up as they're getting closer and closer and um, so there, there is movement there. But otherwise, it's a scene in a cabin, it's a scene somewhere else and actually that's the best way and he, he took a few books to really find that formula. Uh, but once he did, it's a, it's a great, uh, they are great reads, except for the technical challenges of what the hell is a top gallant? I don't know what one of those is. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's uh and then there's plenty more like that. Um, and I, they do have some diagrams in the books, but really, you, you haven't got time to go and look back. So, where where do you stand on hornblower? Uh, and uh, yes, that, that brother read those as, as a youngster, and I, I never got. A, I, I've seen it on TV though, not in mm. the bookshop. Gregory um, Peck. Gregory yeah. Peck. Yes. <laughs> Oh well, they, they, was it ITV. You did a whole bunch of them, didn't they? But yes, was Grufford, wasn't it? That was yeah. it. That was it. Yeah, I very I enjoyed them, but no, I I think once I've had, I, I don't, I didn't need a more more naval. I didn't need any more from the navy. No, that was fine. Though I did, mm. I did read at spark by it. I read a biography of Nelson. Just to find out what was it really like and actually that was an eye opener in itself because wow they were they they just didn't care wow they just the, the things they did so the ships would in a battle the ships would come beside each other and he would just jump from one ship to the next ship to the next ship uh with his cutlass or whatever it was and having a go yeah the bravery into battle i think I'm sure they were all a bit mad really but uh, it's
2: interesting when you read when you read the story of Nelson, I'm getting a bit off, off topic, but he ran away at 12, didn't mm-hmm. he, um, to join the Navy. And you think at the age of 12, there'd be uproar? Mm-hmm. now you'd be taken mm-hmm. into social services. And it wasn't long
1: you... ago,
0: was it? Not really. No,
2: no it's just a few weeks ago. I yeah. think.
0: <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you demonstrating your age again? I mean, you, you're a 2000 year old man, aren't yeah. you?
2: It's only 215 years. Do you remember so, chatting so, with, 30 years with Nelson? Or so, yeah. Paul. Yeah. So Paul, I, I could see you as a I think you're a Barbara Taylor Bradford or a Maeve Binchy type person. Well
1: I've I've really been struggling with this actually and I I, I suppose I'm uh, yeah, I've read a little Dickens and in fact um I love the Dickens stories. You know, I and it's it's hard to say where my memory of the book's it just merges with the bbc versions i guess but I mean, yeah there's there's something very special I, I i grant you that i'm actually reading a fabulous book at the moment and as as you will recall i've taken a a, a quiet interest in first world war aviation and um arguably the very best book um that describes what it was really like to fly along in a Sopwith camel or an aircraft of that type was by a chap called vm yates and i victor Maslin yates and it's called winged victory and it it was written in 1934 um so he's he survived the war he was active in the latter part of the first world war on, on camels and the the book is um it in no way celebrates war it Really describes the horror of it is relationships with other pilots and ground crew, and he was on the edge of insanity. I think by the time war came, and like many of his of his of his type who survived. Um, never really could settle down into l- to ordinary civilian life. And he died of TB in 1934, the year the book was published. And he was encouraged to write the book by another pilot called Henry Williamson. But it's a cracking read. And it... Wow, it's it's sobering stuff. Um, learned a great deal reading that. So I... S- and, and a book that was forgotten until fairly recently, for some reason, and has recently come back into popularity. But then... Um, you know another another book that the series of books I've really enjoyed fairly recently were by Robert Harris the ones about uh, that follow the life of Cicero through oh, yes. yeah through the through the eyes of his secretary and i like they, they're a cracking good read they really are and i i think one of the reasons i enjoyed them is that i think some of what's going on in our world mirrors what was going on in ancient rome you know the rise of the populist leader that julius caesar would today i'm sure have been supported by the daily mail um mm. you know a, a real populist um in his case militarist leader um but the parallels are all too obvious you know a, sell your soul to a populist cause get yourself kind of elected seize power um and I guess in his case, you you wait until somebody gets you gets you on the steps of the Senate. I don't know if that will happen here or in America, but it's they they they're cracking good reads. They really are, and they're the kind of book where you you enter the novel. I think you become the ca- the main mm-hmm. character in mm-hmm. the book. Um, mm-hmm. And Cicero, wow, what a what a star! Sadly, was executed, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I think had his didn't he, did he have his tongue nailed to a notice board in Rome oh, by did. Caesar. Okay. Poor chap, poor chap. But, yeah, mm-hmm. cracking good read. Really, really good.
2: So it sound, sounds like you're you're as interested as you, you sort of read for the subject matter, Paul. I mean, do you read for pure escapism? I I
1: think... I mean, I'm, I'm quite childlike, I think, when I get into reading a book. I think it does just transport... A good book, one that appeals to me, transports me to an, another mm, place. Mm, mm. You know, I think, in a way, that's a sign of a good novel, isn't it? Mm. Yes. I, I, you know, and and I think... Being able to enjoy a good book, I think, is such a privilege. Mm, You know, it's mm, one of God's mm. great blessings, isn't it? If you, if you, if you just can create the time, the space in your life. That's right. If
0: you can get in the mood, Mm. and you've got a great book, it's wonderful. Actually, summery evenings. Yes. For me, for the time to read. Not not the dark winter nights. Surprisingly, I find I I prefer prefer the summer time. I
2: I prefer I prefer the winter. I mm. prefer to be outside and enjoying the enjoying nature in the in the summer. I find I do most of my reading in the winter, but I also find with books you have to work at it. I mean, mm. you know, and I and I think, yeah, thinking of of my kids, it's actually it can be quite hard because there's so many different books mm-hmm. and I, we've sort of almost agreed there's the writing style and the story and the mm-hmm. what 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 you personally looking for sometimes it's really hard to describe there are books that you you connect with and books that you don't mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can actually wade through a lot of books before you get to one you think yeah this mm-hmm. really works for me and you know it's for for Philip, yes, you know, Patrick O'Brien had that effect and then you go and read all of them mm, and mm. then you try and find somebody else at yes. you know you're looking for something similar but you could you can you yeah. can end up with a you know with a Foucault's pendulum mm, and then mm. you say, oh no I'm not gonna try another book because you know I'm gonna have to spend a week getting through the first hundred pages or so and it yes. might be awful. I've got better yes. things to do with my life.
1: Now I'm gonna ask you a little a quiz question here. What proportion of the UK adult population Have purchased a book in the last year?
0: Oh gosh. I'm going to say 15%. I'm going to
2: go a bit higher. I'm going to go for 30.
1: Well, get this. The answer is 40.6% of the population. That's that's pretty
0: good. Yeah, that
1: that data was 6th of March 2019 Mm -hmm. from Kantar. And, and what proportion of the population would you say purchased an e-book?
0: Oh, I think that's going to be smaller, isn't it? Five percent? Twenty percent.
1: It's actually eight and a half
2: percent.
1: It would be interesting, see, I have a suspicion that far more books downloaded are not read, just yeah, like probably. downloaded newspapers. And are you e-book readers? Or are you traditional? Yes,
0: yes, I I, I uh, am a, an e-book reader. Yeah, I've got a Kindle and uh, I'm a fan of, I, I, though it's, I'm a fan of it for the way you can carry it around and you can have a library with you. The difficulty uh, is how do you find a book and a bookshop is the way to go. I think you know you're looking for recommendations and so on but you know to go and peruse the book and, and actually that was another thing to be able to go to uh, our shelves and look at those books and sort of thinking how did I discover that and they were probably things that looked interesting people commenting on it picking up in a bookshop flicking through a bit now I know you can do similar things but it's not quite the same so I, I can see a real place for the 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 paper back and so on but the practicality of an ebook. if you're going on a journey i have to own up i have forced my family to 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 get rid of books on holidays because we we, we apparently had a whole suitcase full more than once and uh, <laughs> we've we found uh, a library when abroad and donated our books to a library Oh what a uh, wonderful idea. It's a wonderful thing to do. And absolutely is great and it makes you it lifted everybody to be able to take them in and say here here's here's some books and they were so grateful for them as well. Oh. Um so yeah so the, 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 but they were it was great that the kids are avid readers but bloody hell, I've got to carry the damn things around and that's where I say the Kindle does um the win or the e-book does. I, it I think
2: there's a lot there's a lot of people at the moment particularly politicians and others who are interviewed in their own home. Who are very oh. grateful that they don't have just a Kindle <laughs> in the background <laughs> to the, the yeah. rent a bookcase. Oh, and now, uh, and now, and
0: appara- uh,
2: apparently there are now all sorts of studies of uh, whether Michael Gove has this <laughs> yes. book or that book, and whereas Boris has yes. this book or that book, and so and so. It is. If you watch, have I got news for you? Sometimes it's because it's it's a bit dreadful without the studio audience, but it's yeah. actually quite interesting seeing what they got in the background on the on the bookshelves and the, yeah. the DVD shelves, and also the the state of some people's rooms that they quite yeah. happy to put on camera. Well,
0: no, I was I, just I, going
2: back. I, I, actually, I was just going back to um, to to David Copperfield, and I was, I brought up the the list of of characters, and it it reminded me that that. Uh, the one thing that Dickens was very good at is that the the character names <laughs> almost almost conjure up an image of the character itself, so mm-hmm. we've got uh, Mr. Murdstone, who's David's guardian, and it's just a very dark, oppressive name, and then you've got Mrs. Gummidge, Daniel Peggotty's widow. But she was exactly the same as the way that you would expect her to be with a name like Mrs. Gummidge, and Peggotty is the, you know, the the, the family, and uh, Mr. Peggotty lived on a boat just south of Great Yarmouth. Mr. Micawber, obviously, and then and there are so many Uriah Heep, just a very name Uriah Heep. Mm-hmm. whether it's because of the character or because we all know the character, but it just conjures up. What, a, what about it?
1: Bill, Sykes? Oh, Bill Sykes? Bill Sykes. He yeah. could only be a used car dealer, couldn't he? Really. And Oliver Reed wasn't he
2: perfectly cast in that role? Yes. No. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And to your to your point earlier, let's let's just say you're to be interviewed on the Andrew Marr show on it's on Sunday morning, isn't it? And you're you've been asked. Well, look, we'd like to make you look uh, look uh, sober and respectable. So we'd like you we'd like you to be filmed in front of your bookcase at home. What would be the book that would um, that would impress? What would be the book you'd want on your shelf, do you think?
2: Well, I would have the Necronomicon by H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Not because I necessarily want to impress, but it's a great collection of dark stories, and the Dunwich horror is uh, is fabulous if sort of, rather twisted. Um but I love Lovecraft's mm-hmm. stuff and it's just something slightly and I wouldn't I wouldn't have the Dickens and the H. G. Wells and the Lee Child books and the Sven Hassel War books that I used <laughs> to read <laughs> in the eighties, which have probably no redeeming merits whatsoever. But I would I would have I'd have Mr Lovecraft's book, I think, behind me, just because it's slightly slightly
0: alternative, I guess. Oh my one for that would be a bit of dick. Uh, Philip K. Dick. I put him up there. Uh, so he's he's the sort of... Uh, what's it? Uh, Androids do Android stream and so on. Uh, do, do Android stream of electric sheep. That's right, that's right. So, yeah. so uh, the, the Blade Runner was inspired. And many fantastic stories. Uh, so he wrote not short stories, medium-length stories, um, super ideas. He was dear, clearly... Uh, probably been taking some kind of drug but a, a great great thinker and ideas man and coming up with some alternative story but yeah just just to put that on big 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 words, dick on the on the mantel, on the um, the shelf would be great but i actually i do like i do like those kind of science fiction uh, uh, an, an author i wanted to mention was jg ballard oh yeah he
1: lived up the um, road here in Shepperton, i think
0: yeah did he did he well I, what i he he wrote novels, and I've read one or two of his novels, but he's got a, there's a great collection of his short stories uh where he was really enjoying himself and experimenting with ideas, and they are terrific, terrific, they're not very long, and there's lots of them, and you can really enjoy yourself from going one to another um very much very much that kind of of that era I think he was writing. Uh, in the, the 50s and 60s, really, and um, that, that sci-fi. And it was excellent, but, but very thought-provoking um, stories like that. And I, as a child, I read uh, Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451, which, again, another kind of experimenting with ideas and so on. I, and I do, I do like that in a book. I like to be provoked um, with alternative ways of looking at the world. And I think that's yeah. what science fiction does very well.
2: I th- I agree with that. I've I've got to be in the mood for that a bit, but I I think I I love science fiction because it just takes you yeah into a completely different um, different space. Uh, pun not intended, but I love mm-hmm. you know Asimov, uh, Raymond yes. Feast. I used to yes, uh, you know Asimov's Foundation series, fantastic. Yes. I used to read yes. Harry Harrison, The Stainless Steel Rat, uh, Robert Heinlein, uh, E. Doc Smith. You know the the nineteen fifties um, stuff. As the, and John Wyndham, actually, John Wyndham's books. like oh, that Again, good. The Midwich Cuckoos was just the most eerie, atmospheric book ever, and you just know that something is not quite right, and you mm. don't know what it is. And actually, there was a very good film a- adaptation of The Midwich Cuckoos, but that Day of the Triffids, The, the Kraken Wakes, absolutely superb stories. Did you, did, did, did as the two of you read Harry Potter?
0: No the, no, the whole the no. rest of the family haven't. I've watched the films so many times. No, I've not read Harry Potter.
2: No. What about you, Paul? Have you read? No, Harry
1: no. My boys read all of them, um, and I only hear good things about them. By the way, Andrew, what's your what's your view?
2: I've never read them either, and I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. I I feel that I ought to. No, I've seen the films, but for some reason they just don't particularly appeal but I love sci-fi and fantasy sort of stuff and I I don't know why I've never actually picked up a single copy of any of the Harry Potter books and Mm -hmm. my kids have read them as well Mm. Mm. but they just don't appeal to me yeah, I like the that the hundred-year-old the man who jumped out of a room and and read. have you read that one?
1: No, have you read that? I've often been tempted. My wife read it actually.
2: Yeah. Yes, oh, well, I read it and I found it. I was really annoyed by it because it's a good story, but actually, when you think of it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a he's a bit of a moral vacuum. The one hundred-year-old man because there's all sorts of stuff that that happens. In, you know, he steals a suitcase with loads of money. People get. Killed and they are sort of fugitives from the law. There's almost total disregard for, um, you know, for, for for normal social values in many oh, ways. Oh, oh. So this, this guy is portrayed as a bit of a an eccentric hero, but actually is verging on the sort of psychopathic. And it it, it got a lot of praise, but I actually found the characters quite uh unlikable in, in, in many ways. Mm. So again, it's a sort of bit of a conundrum. It's it'd be interesting if you to have read it to see what you. Well, that could. You know, in a, you what know, you think of it? If you, 40, when, you, you know, when you're when you walking past Waterstones, Paul, you know, go 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 in, cross the threshold.
1: <laughs> so in forty-five years' time, But so Philip can us. download
2: it. It's <laughs> well worth reading because I think it. Does, I think it, by all accounts, it does divide opinions.
0: Hmm. So Paul, you, you 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 gave me an example of your his, historical well it wasn't a novel really the the, the airman was it his yep. life story
1: well it's the way he describes. It, it starts like any other war story although yes. very quickly you get the sense that hang on whoever wrote this he has a different level of uh, different level of understanding he the way he talks about the aircraft and about yes. You know, f- frankly, the, the horror of yes, you know sure. bearing in mind these guys were in aeroplanes that were painted in dope, made of wood, and stuffed with stuff full of petrol and yeah. kerosene. Yeah. Um, and not not a not a happy death by any means. And mm-hmm. and it, towards the end of the book, um, what you realise is he's talking about his own experiences. The the, the main yes, character yes, is a chap yes. called Tom Cundall, and it gradually dawns on you that hang on. Right. Okay, that's
0: interesting. Right. So it's not a biography then, not a biography. No,
1: it's it's not. But almost. It's a very clever (laughs) way to write a book,
0: actually. The book, the book. I I was one of the books I was thinking of was *The Cruel Sea*. Nicholas. Oh,
1: wonderful, wonderful book. Really,
0: really, yes. But again, uh, is that based on his experience?
1: Yeah, he it is. I think he was on corvettes, wasn't he, in the North Atlantic, Um, and it shows, doesn't it? Oh yeah, um, the
0: knowledge, yeah, the real knowledge. Yeah, yeah no, that right. just that
1: that detail that tells you, you know, there's a there's a way to use detail in a novel, isn't it? You don't want to go overboard, but mm-hmm. the cruel sea, you're you're right. That's um, well, you you could be there in a force nine. Exactly, you? It, exactly. It, it that's somehow right. Somehow comes alive. It's now a,
0: another another one, a different though, was is a biography, autobiography, was Spike Milligan, and oh, he wrote to, a whole yeah. series and i read one of them i read uh, i think it's part 4 um mussolini his part in my downfall <laughs> because it 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 finishes with him being uh, uh, hospitalized because he, he a shell comes down nearby and 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 he survives but uh, um it 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 knocked him out of the front line for a period i haven't read i i think it's got seven parts i think the, the whole the whole thing but what a brilliant story to read! Or well, it's not a story. I mean, it's it's a brilliant history to read, and it takes you right down to the lowly soldier, and gives you a wonderful idea of the hardships, and uh, the pain, and the and the humour that uh, kept them going. Absolutely fabulous uh, book, really. Um, those those books where you get a taste of something real you know it's not made up that some of those are fantastic i I do like reading some of those those biography or autobiography books
2: yeah i think they're quite hard to get right though don't you because i think that yeah they can be quite just descriptive and you know he said that and i did this and then that happened and yes to to get a biography Right and entertaining and have the insight yes. to bring everything yes. to life is actually quite a rare skill. And you've got to have, you know, yes. if it's an autobiography, you've got to have a, I think that's, that makes it even harder, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've got to have a very good writer to, to, to bring it to life. And I've said, read some terrible biographies. I'm, I'm sort of probably more nervous of biographies mm. than any other category.
0: Yes, I agree. They, they, you tend to avoid them. It's got to be a special book that brings you in. I agree. But it's Mike Milligan, I and mean, what, what the interesting in the in the the, the preface he talks about how, um, uh, he, he Clive James had reviewed his book. And he got really annoyed by this review because Clive James had said some comment like, oh, yes, uh, not a lot of this would have happened. Of course, you know, it's the imagination of, of Spike Millican. And he was fuming. You could tell because uh, he said, I have checked every fact. I have uh, checked the weather forecast. I've checked all the historical things. I've spoken with lots of people. I've got them to recall the words we used. Yeah, I can, I, and he can I can tell you everything in this book is real. And he was really angry. He was really angry, and uh, that, that's 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 an interesting point there. And it made it all the more genuine when you then read it and said, "No, this guy's tried to get everything right." Um, yeah, it was, it was. I'd like uh,
2: to read the David Cameron one. Um, you know, he when he launched it was it six months ago, nine months or so ago in a blaze of publicity. I said, but again, you know, I I don't know whether there's any real revelation or insight I think it would be fascinating
1: I've got that actually and I went to see him speak about it one night in London and a um, little bit I, like most political memoirs it's lots of self-justification in it and i I found it frustrating because um, you know without wishing to digress too much and get into the brexit debate um, he he really only justifies the referendum Mm. says it was the right thing to do and it was right to keep the party together and people deserve a choice and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of revelatory. But I think um, these days, probably um, a, a really good books to read about politics. So Tim Shipman's if you know Tim Shipman, they wrote Fallout and... Um, oh, another book fairly recently. And it, it doesn't flatter our politicians at all. And Shipman is... Um, he seems incredibly well-connected, you know, and I, I don't know enough about politics, but it intrigues me as to, you know, here's this man who writes books that are absolutely scathing about our political classes, and, um, and yet, even this week, you know, I, I heard a short interview with him, and he said how he'd been texted by four or five cabinet members. Um, complaining about what's been going on and that's an interesting world isn't it why would you if you felt sore about something why would you text a journalist there must be some ulterior motive there
2: I've just bought I've just bought Fire and Fury which is uh, the story of Trump's early days in the White House I'm looking forward to that it's supposed to be really good and and actually quite scathing as as well so uh, maybe maybe in Part two of this episode, on uh, mm. report
0: back. Well, yeah, I think that we could go into some different genres, actually, couldn't we? Um, That's a good idea. I, That's. I, I want to finish on, I want to finish on, if I were to recommend a contemporary author, who would I recommend? And I'm going to say, I'm going to recommend William Boyd. Um, William Boyd? William Boyd. Uh, there's two books of his, and I know he's written plenty more, that I have really enjoyed. I haven't read more than two. Um, The first one I read was Brazzaville Beach, which is um, set in Brazzaville Beach, which uh, I'm pretty sure is somewhere in Africa. And it's to do with uh, some kind of um, research going on and and the story unfolds there. And the other one um, was Restless, which is a great novel, which is sort of... It's 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 got a character who um who's I think who's uh was a spy mm. and uh and it's looking sort of back at the life in a little bit. Uh it's a great story, great storytelling, really good storytelling, and it absorbs you in, takes you in, and I, I must admit, I was very pleased when having read Brazzaville Beach and thought that was great, to then discover another of his novels was also great. That was that was a pleasing thing, and I haven't gone on to read more. Um, but I would like to recommend him as a contemporary hmm. author to do what, what to, about you, to look Anthony? for
2: him. Well, I, I I have read some of Robert Harris's books. I find I I thought Fatherland was was great. I found some of the other ones um, not not quite as engaging. Um, I guess of of uh, I don't know whether he counts as a, an author a modern modern, modern day also because I'm not sure if he's still writing. But I do like Martin Cruz Smith. And I remember reading Gorky Park, and then his oh, one set around uh, Chernobyl, wolves eat dogs, and it's very hmm. evocative. And he's got this character Arkady Renko, who is a sort of uh, the typical slightly cliched um, cop, who's sort of bored, dogmatic, and you know has a lot of problems in his own life. But I I like the way that he develops the stories, that they unfold and go in different directions. And there was one he did um, that set in Moscow called Red Square, well, Gorky Park, um, another Russian set one. But they were, they really bring the place to life. Um, And you get a real sense of of being there. And I just like the way that, that he writes and develops the characters. Wolves eat, do- eats, uh, Wolves eat dogs. Is a very good novel, mm. and if you've got an interest in Chernobyl, it's all set around Ooh, the exclusion zone. That oh, have
0: not we all? I like the, all I like the idea of that because I I watched the uh, the TV series of Chernobyl and I was really impressed by that, so got interested in it. So yes, that would be good.
1: Mm. Mine would um, be um, I think C.J. Sansom, who I know you read, Andrew, but I've read all of his books and. Um, Again, i find real parallels with the age in which we live. The C.J. Sampson Shard Lake series are about a hunchback um, Tudor lawyer who gets involved in all sorts of uh, adventures. They're beautifully written and historically, um, I'm led to believe, very accurate. But they're they're cracking good reads again. Really, really good. Really good.
2: Yes, I've just been bought uh, a copy of Tombland. Oh, have you? which is one set in what I regard as my home city. Yes. And actually, my school was just off Tubland, So Tombland is a, is a place that I know very, very well.
1: So you weren't at school in Tudor, England, were you, Andrew? What, what...
2: Yes. I mean, I survived fairly well through the years, <laughs> actually. Um... Waffle. Chat. Drone.
0: Waffle. Chat. Drone. Waffle. Chat. Chat. Drone. Waffle Chat Chat, drone. chat, Drone. Waffle Chat Drone.